We all know the scene. A groom stands in the front of a church and his hair is perfectly in place. He's got his tuxedo on. His shoes are shined. To his right and left stands the wedding party, all with excitement. And the people in the congregation, they're all joined together and they're whispering and they're waiting for the moment to arrive. Sure enough, the organ music starts and the door opens and in comes the bride. And yet, suddenly there's a shocked, (gasps) holding of breaths. Because as the, the bride starts to come forward, they notice she's limping. Her arms have scratch marks on them. Her face is, has a black eye and her, her nose is bleeding. Her hair's a mess. Someone in the congregation, a mocker, calls out, Ha! The bride has been brawling again. People look at the groom, whose face is set like flint. And he looks at the man who would speak against his bride and silences him with one glance. And then he walks forward towards this disheveled bride and says, This is my bride, and I will have her still. Come with me, my love. Whoa. Can you imagine such a scene? That's, that's the story of the church, friends. It's a modern parable told by a writer named Karen Maines. Well, what an ending. What a twist, huh? This morning, we're going to be looking at the bride. We're going to be examining the most incredible wedding ceremony ever. And it's one that's still to come. Let me first set the stage how the Bible showcases this idea of marriage throughout its pages. It starts in the beginning where God creates man and woman in his image. Not just one, but both form his image. And the two are married and they become one. The story continues over and over again in the Old Testament. We see God referring himself as a husband and Israel as a wife, albeit an unfaithful wife. Then into the New Testament, John the Baptist refers to himself as the attendant to the bridegroom. The church is referred to as the bride of Christ by the Apostle Paul in his letters to the churches. And finally, in chapter 19, where we're going today, of Revelation, towards the very end of the Bible, we see this wedding ceremony that pulls out all the stops, the wedding of all weddings. And it's still ahead. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to open it up to Revelation 19. It'd be helpful if you have your Bible facing, uh, not upside down. Then you can read it well. Revelation 19, and can you do this with me? We're going to do kind of a dramatic reading this morning. 
Okay, so when I get to the part hallelujah, y'all going to shout that part out and, and we'll go from there. Okay, so uh, the narration starts like this. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting. What? Okay, stop, stop. Dramatic reading, people. What's, first service did the same thing. Okay, um, I think we need to, let's do this for real. There's a second page, too, just so you know. So let's all stand up, and uh, I think it might help. I'm going to ask for a cue of some thunder here, and, and let's do this right, okay? This is the hearing of the sound of what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting. Now that's a celebration. Go ahead and have a seat. Good job. Getting into the drama of that. Now that was just minuscule, right? I mean, we're talking thousands upon thousands and ten thousands upon ten thousand angels, people from every tribe and tongue calling out, Woo! The wedding is here! It's happening. This is our future. History is not just some meaningless flow of events, catastrophe after catastrophe, maybe a little evolution of humanity, and then kind of going into all kinds of terrible things like the slave trade that we just heard about. It's not a meaningless progression of events. We are heading toward a wedding, the most glorious celebration ever, a day when when the Lamb of God will reign. The one, the lamb who was slain to cover over all of our sins, all of the things that we've done to wreck the world. When Lord God omnipotent will reign, like he hasn't reigned since Adam and Eve fell. When evil will be silenced. Predators. Darkness. Vileness. Threats. It's going to all cease. That is our hope. Wow. That's some good news. And how does this relate to us? Well, for us to belong, like we're talking about, to belong to the church, it means to see ourselves like a bride preparing to meet her dazzling groom. Now, for the women here, that's, that's going to be an easier image to get your head around. You know, the, the excitement of the moment, whether you've been married or not, the, the anticipation, the, the, the awe, the wonder of it. For, for us guys, it's a little more challenging. I mean, it's a beautiful wedding dress and all. But... Mm, meeting Jesus in a in the wedding dress, I'm I, you know uh, that's that's tough. 
that's, that's tough to get past. <laughs> um, so guys, we're going we're to have to get a little creative here, okay? Envision it this way. Imagine yourself kind of uh, maybe helping to prepare the bride. Maybe, you know, maybe it's your, your best friends are getting married or, or your sister or your daughter. And you have been asked to help prepare her for this momentous occasion. Can you get your head around that? I mean, that would be like, wow, I really want to do this. I want, I want to, I'll run errands for her. I'll, I'll help calm her nerves if she wants me to paint her nails. I mean, probably not going to go so well, but, you know, um, whatever. I will prepare the bride because that's her day. This is exciting. Can we all kind of get into this together, this, this, this experience of preparation for the big day? We're going to look first at the husband, at the groom's perspective on this wedding day. I'll tell you, when I was 21 and I was going to be getting married, I was pumped. I was counting down the days. In fact, I I made a countdown calendar, just a big nine, you know, big eight, and and a little phrase for each day that my wife-to-be could take and take off the, the pages and just look forward to that day herself. I was so excited. The, the night before, I'm just musing. My, you know, kind of like my brain's going weird. I'm like brushing my teeth going, this is the last day I'm going to brush my teeth as a single man. <laughs> Dumb. Dumb. You know, I, I wake up in the morning. The birds are chirping. It's a beautiful blue sky day. Oh, I'm getting married. Oh, goodness, I, I'm, I never forget standing up front watching my wife-to-be, Kelly Jean Furlan, walk down the aisle towards me. Oh, my goodness. Everything else just faded away, and there she was. And, oh, you know, the, you know, whether you've been married or not, you, you get the idea, right? I mean, you, can, you, you have that sense of anticipation. Maybe it's even just somebody you, you haven't seen for a long time and you're longing to see them. Guess what? This is how Jesus feels about you. This is how Jesus feels about us. He's excited. He's counting down the days till he comes back and he marries the church, it's on his mind all the time. He can't wait. Whoo! He can't wait to see us after all we've done, after all our bridal brawls. True. Listen, the prophet Isaiah speaks at the end of a terrible book of, of just all kinds of devastating tragedy and, and bad stuff between the relationship between God and Israel. Listen to what God says in chapter 62, verse 5. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder, the one who builds you up, marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. What? Rejoicing over me? God Almighty? 
rejoicing over us after all we've done to mess things up? Did it for Israel. And this was at the end of, of a really bad book of things that, that Israel did and got in trouble for. Listen again in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 5. Paul's writing to the church, giving some exhortation to the men in particular of how they are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Listen to the high bar that's set. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Again, us, holy and blameless, a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or blemish. After all the stupid things I've done, after the, all the bad thoughts I've had, after all the foolish things that I've said, my anger, the lust of our eyes, our boastfulness, our arrogance, the way we've told half-truths, the way we've been cowardly, the way we've been self-centered. After all of that, Jesus is going to call us a radiant church, holy and blameless. It's true. That's the good news. That's why it's so good. Because it isn't dependent on us and how well we lived. That's amazing. Now, how, how might the church respond? A church that has been loved so well. What would, the, what would the perspective of the bride be as she looks forward to meeting this incredible man, the most amazing person who's ever lived? Let's turn back to Revelation 19. And read from verse 7. He writes this. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. That is God. For the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Underline that in your Bible. His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Now what's that mean? Well, the author goes on to explain. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. So how does the bride prepare for that day? With acts of righteousness. Good deeds, great and small. Helping other people. Sharing the gospel. Teaching people about Jesus. Providing food for those who have none. And on and on and on. Some Bibles say not righteous acts, but just by our righteousness of the saints. Which encompasses not only righteous acts, but all of the attitudes of our hearts, our sincerity, 
our integrity, our moral courage. All of those join together to form the strands of the wedding garment to make it beautiful. I love how the commentator easily puts it when he says this. Throughout Christian history, every holy attitude and good deed prompted by God's grace have been woven into the tapestry of the bride's attire. I love that. They've been woven into the tapestry of the the bride's garment. Look at this. It's beautiful. And each person's good works are part of it, are part of making it beautiful. Can you imagine a bride not preparing for her wedding day? I mean, just picture, right? Ah! Oh! That's today? Oh no! no. I've got a dentist appointment. What what should I wear? White. White. Oh, my only white dress is dirty. Man! Oh, my nails, they look terrible. Are you kidding me? Right? That would be just ridiculous. No, No bride totally fails to prepare for their wedding day. They might not be in the best mood, might be a little bit like uh, stressed and all that, but you prepare, right? Church, where to prepare? How, how do we prepare for that day? Well, for one thing, we commit. We commit ourselves to the local church. Hillcrest Chapel is the bride. It's it's a local experience. There is no just belonging to the universal church. Now, if, if, uh, if Hillcrest isn't right for you, if you're new here, hey, feel free, explore other churches, find out where God is calling you to belong but belong in a way that actually means you help the bride to be ready on that day. What else could we do? Perhaps perhaps it's leading a small group, caring for the people around you. It builds up the bride, makes her more beautiful. Perhaps it's, it's being in a small group. Perhaps it's being part of the prayer wall, praying for this church, which strengthens it. Maybe it's sharing the good news about Jesus and having somebody come to faith in him so that that person, he or she, becomes part of the fabric of the dress. Maybe it's giving to missionaries who are going across the seas to help those in areas of the world where there's sex slave trades happening. Begs the question... What's God calling you to do? How is God stirring you to prepare the bride to meet Jesus? Each one of us has a part to play. Each one of us. Now, as I said, for some of this, this may be your first time at Hillcrest. Maybe maybe you don't even know Jesus. And you're still checking things out. 
And so, hey, I want you to feel no pressure to like join in and jump in to do anything. But know that we would welcome you to be part of this incredible movement of God that is, that's happening at Hillcrest Chapel, that we are preparing for this day, and you could be part of that. Others of us, we've been hurt by the church. We've been recipients of, of the blows of the bride, of bridal brawls. And we've been hurt. Some of us still bear those scars. I'm sorry. I'm sorry the church has hurt you. You know, hearing Tim's message last week, it was, it was actually, to be honest, it was kind of hard at times. Because I was hearing the story of the church over the years, of, of this expression of it, and hearing some of the hurt that had happened here, and thinking of the wounds that, that were there, that the, the people that were still divided, the stains on the garment of the dress. And don't get me wrong, Tim did a great job, and I, I'm, I'm so glad that he told the story well and accurately, that he didn't try and sugarcoat it. Hey, this is a place where we got it all together. No, we don't. It's not the only place I've experienced that hurt. The first church I was part of, the one I came to faith through in high school, by the time I was a young married, suddenly I heard news through my wife that one of the lead pastors had been asked to resign. And it was just like, no, this can't be happening. It was, it was terrible. I love these people. The church ripped into shreds. Not that long after that, I was with the second church where I pastored. My lead pastor suddenly was caught in sin, a secret sin of sexual nature. And boom, this little church plant was suddenly shaken, along with my family, shaken to the core. I know what it's like to have been hurt by the church. So why, why bother? Why, why keep going? Because the church is the bride of of Christ. The local church in all her manifestations around the world over the centuries is the precious love of Jesus' life. His heart beats for us. And He's coming back for us. He died for us. And that makes me want to be willing to die for Him. And to put myself, to lay myself out there for the church. To help her to be beautiful. Whatever it takes, no matter the cost. Because she's worth it. Because he's worth it. You know, I can't wait to see the look on Jesus' face. When he locks eyes with his bride. 
for the first time. And the grin on his face, his eyes beaming like fire. Can you imagine that? Why belong to Hillcrest? Because there is no plan B. It's the church that's the hope of the world. It's God's rescue mission to the entire human race. It's not a social organization. It's not a country. It's not a group of countries. It's the church. And it always has been and always will be the church. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I'm sad that I know many people who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but mm, I don't don't do the organized religion thing. It's too painful. I get it, friends. It, it, It is painful. To belong to the church can be dangerous, unfortunately. But it's his bride. And Jesus is coming back for her. So will you help her get ready? Will you prepare her for that day? Will you help her to be filled with the righteous acts that complete the wedding garment and make it beautiful for the bridegroom? When I was preparing for this sermon, I was studying the scripture and then uh, reading some commentaries on it. I came across an introduction that said that Handel, who wrote Handel's Messiah, he wrote it based partly on the scripture that we examined this morning. The Hallelujah Chorus, most of us know it, right? Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Wow. That's based right here on this text. And, and I, was, I, was, I was moved by thinking about how that song has gone out all over the world. I thought, man, I want to I listen to it. So I, I typed it in on YouTube. And first hit that came up was a flash mob doing the Hallelujah Chorus. I'm like, okay, give it a shot. Now, flash mobs, here we are, you know, in the middle of this uh, cafeteria. And, and suddenly one person stands up and just starts singing. And then, and then pretty soon, some others join in. And pretty soon, this whole chorus is joining in. And then pretty soon, I'm crying. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm like, I hope Kathy's not next door. I'm like, this is so weird. Like, what is going on here? I, I mean, why am I crying like this, you know? I, well, I just, all that could make up of, of it was, God was meeting me in this moment. It was a holy moment where hearing the word of God sung over me was just so powerful and so beautiful. I was just caught up into it. But more than that, as I thought about it more, as the tears continued to flow, I realized this is this is kind of how it could go down in history. I mean, you're just standing there talking on your cell phone, and all of a sudden, 
Hallelujah. You join in because it's time. The wedding's starting. Here comes the prince, the prince of peace. You know, you're mopping the floors, just working away your 40-hour week job, and all of a sudden, king of kings, bum, 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 bum. The day has arrived. It's upon us. Jesus is coming. Whoa. That's what was starting to stir in me, was realizing this is this is. This is showing me a picture of what could be and what really is coming ahead of us. I'd like us to listen and watch a little bit of this clip. And as we watch it, I'd invite you to get caught up in the heavenly sound. In the future that is coming towards us. A day when Jesus will marry his church. And maybe it's a song just like this that the bride walks down the aisle to. As we listen, just ask God, is there anything you want me to do to help prepare the bride? Let's watch. standing and praying together. Hallelujah, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. You're coming back and your eyes are going to be for your church. 
Hallelujah, for the Lord God, omnipotent, all-powerful, reigns. Yes, we look forward to that day. Oh, God, would you help us to prepare for it? Would you help us to remember it and look forward to it and not let anything hinder us, get in the way of us preparing for that glorious time when the King of Kings is revealed. Let us worship you this morning, even as we sing, in a way preparing for that day, because worship forms us. And this is how it's going to be in heaven, glorious, filled with joy and hope. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.